The following audio is from Grace Fellowship of Westerville. To learn more about our church, please visit our website at www.gracefcwesterville.org. Daniel chapter 6, and I want to go over the verses 1 through 5 to begin this morning. It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Now, if you don't know what a satrap is, a satrap were provincial governors that were set up over the areas. And with 120 of them, it kind of gives you an idea how big this, uh, this kingdom was. But they were set up to be uh, throughout the whole kingdom. And over them, three high officials, of whom Daniel was one, to whom these satraps should give an account so that the king might suffer no loss. Then this Daniel became uh, distinguished above all the other high officials and satraps, notice, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king planned to set him over the whole kingdom. Then the high officials and the satraps sought to find a ground of complaint against Daniel with regard to the kingdom, but they could find no ground for complaint or any fault because he was faithful and no error or fault was found in him. Then these men said, we shall not find any ground for complaint against this Daniel unless we find it in connection with the law of his gods. Now, isn't it amazing that could be said about this man, Daniel, that they could find nothing, nothing, nothing about this man to accuse him of. And I think the reason is back up in verse 3. Because there was an excellent spirit in him. You see, Daniel was a man who was completely surrendered to God. Much like Joseph, whom we saw last year in our, in our, or earlier this year in our series on Joseph. These men put God before all things in their lives. There was nothing in their life that was there. And so when the spirit of God was on Daniel to guide him, his spirit was blended with that spirit in perfect harmony. And it's such an amazing joy for us to see that this morning because it is relevant for us today as clearly as it was back then. So it's a, it's a clear thing for us to see and understand. Now, it's a wonderful concept to understand. It's wonderful for you and I to look at characters in the Bible and go, wow, wasn't that great? Wasn't he an amazing man? But the key reality is that the Bible has recorded these things for you and I that we might pattern our lives in the very same way. So there is an importance to this that goes beyond just an understanding of a story. Now, at times, you and I can be accused of different actions that don't become us. The world says that the Christian is is doing things that aren't right. They're no different than we are. Um, Sometimes we can be accused of laziness. Uh, the jealous uh, peers of Daniel tried to fault him for neglect in verse 4, negligence, but they couldn't find anything. And sometimes people accuse Christians of being too prideful. Christians tend to think they're better than everyone else. Do you ever hear that? We're better than everyone else because we think we have the truth and we look down our nose on other people. And this may be an unjust criticism at times, but far too often it is true. It is so important to be conscious of our actions and our thoughts. We need to always be thinking of how we come across to others. What is their perception of me? Not what I think it should be, 
but how are people perceiving me? These men had a profound uh, perception of Daniel because they could see nothing to accuse him of any wrong. Now, it almost sounds like too perfect, doesn't it? I mean, who can really be that good? And of course, we're not talking about sinless perfection here. We're talking about an attitude of the heart that desires to radiate Christ. And so let's look at the plan against Daniel. As we've seen, Daniel's peers are jealous of him in a big way. And as the story we're seeing it unfold is in one of the best known stories in the Old Testament. It's the story of Daniel and the lion's den. And you've probably known it since you were a child. Uh, it involves Daniel being thrown into the lion's den. Uh, Daniel 5.31 uh, takes place under the reign of Darius, the succeeder of, of Belshazzar that we saw last week when he took over Babylon. So if Daniel's enemies were going to be able to attack him at all, it was going to have to be in an area of his relationship to God. Daniel, at this point, is probably in his 80s. And uh, these men have had a, all, a long, long time to observe Daniel in every area. So there was nothing that they could come up with to point at. Nothing in this man's life. So they resorted to a strategy. And here's what they planned to do. They approached King Darius with a very flattering suggestion that a law be put into place that would allow no man to pray or worship any other god for 30 days except Darius. And this was pretty flattering. Darius liked the idea. Very interesting. And a penalty, if they should, they would be thrown into a den of hungry lions. And so Darius, overcome by the joy of being such an important guy, signs the law, and then suddenly it hits him. Daniel. What is he going to do? Darius was trapped at, by this plot. <clears throat> he didn't know what to do. He didn't want to condemn Daniel. But he easily fell into this perception. Now, what did it mean for Darius to issue this law? Well, the answer is obvious. It meant that Darius was putting him in a position of God, himself in a position of God, unwittingly perhaps. But nevertheless, during this during it, he said, he put himself in a position to say, people have to come to me. People have to worship me. I am the man. And that was flattering. And he got caught up in this whole thing. And this is what Belshazzar had done. This is what Nebuchadnezzar has done. And here's Darius falling into the, the same mindset. But this sin is the sin of every culture. The sin of putting self in God's place. We have expressions of this in Babylon, but think also of the kingdom of Rome that Daniel prophesied way back then. Rome was extraordinarily arrogant, and the ultimate arrogance was the cult of the Caesars. The citizens of the empire were required to burn incense, and they were to utter the words, Christos Kaiser. Caesar is Lord. And if they didn't do that, as many Christians refused to do, they were thrown in with the lions or crucified. And this was one of the key areas where, 
where Christians became so persecuted in that time because they refused to give honor to any other gods. Today, in any given church, we understand the culture and the growing hostility that grows with Christians, their narrow-mindedness and the way they were perceived in the world. But what of our personal devotion? As you listen to these stories and as you consider Daniel, what is your personal devotion? What comes to your mind and heart when confronted with the reality of obeying God as these men did? So this brings us to the interesting point of the practice of God's presence. The practice of God's presence. Daniel was an experienced courtier. He knew at once what the king's decree meant and where it came from. For 30 days, Daniel was not allowed, if he was to keep the law, to pray or worship his God. Praying as he had done in his open windows, wide open, three days a week facing Jerusalem, he was supposed to stop it. Now, we're only talking 30 days. Come on. Is that a big deal? 30 days? You know, you don't ruffle anybody. I mean, it's not like he's being asked to bow the knee as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were asked to do before a a, a false idol. But to pray openly, what's the big deal? Well, I mean, he had to do All he had to do, think about this, was close his windows. You know, pray to your God, just close the windows, nobody gets hurt, no muss, no fuss. That wasn't Daniel. That wasn't Daniel. And if you stop and think about it, what would closing the windows have meant to everyone else? Those who knew Daniel, what would have been their perception? Well, he's hiding. We know he's praying, he's closing the doors, he's hiding. Or maybe he's just giving into the law. Daniel wanted to be so sure that the world knew that nothing, nothing came between him and his God. And we may think that closing the windows of our life in certain times is is okay, but not Daniel. Notice Daniel 6 verse 10. When Daniel knew that the document had been signed, he went to his house where he had the windows in the upper chamber open towards Jerusalem. He got down on his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he had done previously. Nothing changed. Nothing changed for this man. And I love the words as he had done previously. He had a track record. Daniel had a life track record that was not going to be interrupted. And this was a pattern that Daniel had. The outside world may be changing, but God hadn't changed, and Daniel was not about to change. And so he continued on with what he had done. Now, let me just give you two points about Daniel here to help to give us a little more perspective. Number one, Daniel was the smallest of minorities. He was a minority of one. But although he was only one man among many hostile enemies, 
He was the one man who knew the true state of affairs in the struggle. Darius was clueless. He had been swept up by the plan and signed it and didn't realize it till it was too late. The conspirators did not understand the situation. They didn't know Daniel's God. They thought they could entrap him and get him killed. And it appears his three friends weren't around either. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Maybe they had been transferred to another portion of the kingdom or, or maybe at this time they had, they had passed on. But the key is that Daniel is totally alone as he faces this challenge. Daniel was the only one who had it together. He knew there was a true God. And he knew who the true God was. He knew that God was powerful. He knew that God would deliver him if he chose to. But above all, and this is the key, obeying and serving the one true God had to be the supreme goal of his life. That had to be the supreme goal of his life. What is the supreme goal of your life? Is it to obey God no matter what? Now, let me say something that might shock you a little bit. Daniel in this situation, may have had it easier than you and I. Now, why do I say that? Well, obey or die. Pretty simple. Obey God and die or hide and live. But you know something? You and I are confronted with small decisions every day where we choose to either obey or not, and don't reap the immediate consequences. Sometimes it's the decisions with our children that we don't see for years on. Sometimes it's in our relationships with our spouses where we put ourselves first and we choose certain things only to reap the consequences later. Sometimes it's the way we treat people, our witness, all these things you and I are faced with every day. And this is why it's so important as Daniel to have an excellent spirit of surrender so that you and I are completely in tune with what God is doing. And the choices flow from a heart of surrender. Otherwise, down the road, we may find the difficult things. Is obedience the supreme goal of your life? It was in Daniel's life because they could find nothing against him. Number two, Daniel practiced his faith openly. Some, pay, some people maintain their faith privately. Some do not want to offend anyone. They do not want to be seen as religious, so they back off or, or they retreat. They privatize their convictions. But this was not Daniel. Instead of hiding his convictions, he knelt before the window in the sight of all Babylon and prayed as he always had. So who are we in our personal witness? I can't, I'm reminded of what Peter wrote in 1 Peter 3.15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for the reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect. The key to that verse is right at the beginning. In your hearts, honor the Lord as holy. 
Honoring the Lord in our hearts puts him first. Honoring the Lord in our hearts gives us the leg up to be able to follow the leading of the Spirit and to do it with gentleness and respect. Now, some will say, it's just not me. I, I, I have a hard time talking to people. I can't, you know, I just can't articulate. Well, you're right. It's not you. It's the Holy Spirit. There are many cases I have been in where I just, I didn't know what to say, but out it came because it's the Lord. And when you're surrendered to the Spirit, the Lord works through you in marvelous ways. The other reality is being in the Word enough to know the Word to have something to share. And that comes from honoring the Lord Christ. But here's Daniel, ready to stand firm with gentleness and praying openly before Babylon. He's standing firm on his account. But the question I want to ask is, what are the windows in your life? What are the windows that seem so easy to shut, to close off your testimony or to close off what God is trying to do in your heart? This brings me to a very important point of this message. The safest place in the midst is in the midst of the storm. Wow. The safest place in your life is in the midst of the storm. You may have windows that threaten you. You may have windows of fear. But when you're in the midst of the storm with the Lord, there is no safer place on the face of the earth. And Daniel found this out. Darius did not want to see Daniel killed. And so he tried to find means of escape, but with no uh, avail. The law had to be enforced, so Darius throws him into the lion's den. And as he throws him in, verse 16, he shouts, May your God whom you serve continually deliver you. Now Darius is appealing to the God of, of Daniel. Now, there's an interesting point here that I also think is, is necessary for you and I to understand. It comes earlier in the story when the, the soldiers are coming to get Daniel. Verse 11, we read, Then these men came by agreement and found Daniel making petition and plea before his God. You know, when you read the story about Daniel, you kind of have the idea that this guy's, you know, he's not worried about anything. You know, he's steel. You know, my God will take care of me. But what you find is a very human side of Daniel. Daniel is in his chamber pleading with the Lord. He's calling out to the Lord. And you know something? There is nothing wrong with fear. There is nothing wrong with concern. When you're in the midst of the struggle, there's nothing wrong with being afraid. And this is such a beautiful picture we don't usually see of Daniel. He was crying out to God for strength, for deliverance. And these men found him in the midst of that. Now, God stopped the lion's mouth so they could not attack Daniel. And when Daniel was with them in the midst of this, he was also protected from his enemies that sought to get him. So just, just think about this for a moment. Here's this Daniel. He has a whole 
army of his peers that want him gone. They hate him. And they've plotted to get his life taken from him. And they've been able to work it out that he is being thrown into this, this area, this, this den of hungry lions. And Daniel walks in there and nobody can touch him. Nobody can touch him. Not even the lions. <laughs> Do you realize that when you and I are in the midst of it, nobody can touch us but God himself? What an amazing blessing. We may be afraid. You may face loneliness. You may not know the outcome. You may fear for tomorrow. All human characteristics and all very understandable. But when you're there, it's by the will of God. And it's by God's grace who will protect you. And Daniel stood in the safest place of all Babylon. You and I are never safer than in the midst of the storm when God is with us. It was the king who couldn't sleep. He wrestled all night, and then finally he got up early. He ran to the den, and in Daniel 6, verse 20, as he came near to the den where Daniel was, he cried out with a tone of anguish, and the king declared to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God whom you serve continually been able to deliver you from the lions. He's petrified. The lions are silent. And then he hears Daniel, verse 21. O king, live forever. My God sent his angels and shut the lion's mouth, and they have not harmed me because I was found blameless before him, and also before you, O king, I have done no harm. Can you imagine, Darius? I mean, can you think about this? All these lions, and he just comes walking out pristine, not touched. Well, you know what it did? It so impacted Darius that he, he made an edict, a decree. And he said, in, beginning in verse 26, I make a decree that in all my royal, uh, in all my royal dominion, people are to tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God, enduring forever. His kingdom shall never be destroyed, and his domain shall be to the end. He delivers and rescues. He works signs and wonders in heaven and on earth. He who has delivered or saved Daniel from the power of the lions. Here we are, once again, because of Daniel's faithfulness, another king has given praise to God. What an impact. Because of his faithfulness, another king has given praise to God. Kings who don't know the true God. God is God. And he successfully freed Daniel from the lion's den. Now, I have to be honest here. I have to tell you the whole truth. We have to be careful because often we find our faith resting in rescue and not God. 
often our faith comes only through rescue and not through what God is doing. Now, this is a very important lesson that we need to know. And I want you to go to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11, the great faith chapter, the amazing chapter about faith, defines faith, then gives so many examples of people who had great faith, who conquered and conquered and conquered, from Moses to Abraham to Ruth, just through a whole litany of people. But I want you to come to Hebrews chapter 11, verse 33 who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforcing justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions. Direct reference to Daniel. I wish Hebrews 11 stopped right there, but it doesn't. Verse 35. Women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refused to accept release so that they might rise to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging and even chains of imprisonment. They were stoned. They were sawn in two. They were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, destitute, afflicted, mistreated. Wait, man, I didn't sign up for that. You see... God calls some to win by living and some to win by dying. What a powerful truth. The reality is when God is doing it, it doesn't matter. He is the spirit and head of all things. He is the great healer and physician. And he is the one who through his power will bring the surrendered Christian to glory in him. And can we want anything better? Can we want anything better? When I always say God must increase and we must decrease, that's the reality. Whatever he wants to do in my life, that's the reality. And Daniel could stand before the the king and before the satraps and before all of Babylon and say, whatever he does with me, as long as he's glorified, I'm in. Do you and I have that faith this morning? Do we have the resounding commitment to say, not my will, but yours be done? God, whatever you call me to do, I'm yours. The world needs these kinds of Christians. The world today is sadly lacking in Christian commitment. The world is missing it. They're not seeing Christ. Now, that's not true everywhere. I'm not putting a blanket on that. But too often, they're not seeing who Christ is through his children. Joseph stood before Egypt. Daniel stood before Babylon. We have the opportunity to stand in America. We have the opportunity to let God reign in us no matter what he calls us to do. The message to Grace Fellowship Church is, are we willing to be that Christian? Are we willing to be that church and let nothing come between us and God's will.
I trust this morning that that is your heart and that will be all of our commitments as we go on from here. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this tremendous story. There's so much more to Daniel than just a lion's den. A heart of commitment, a spirit, an excellent spirit that was in him because of surrender. Lord, I pray that that spirit would be in all of us today. That you would increase in every way to the glory of God. Lift our spirits, Lord. Move in our hearts to surrender. And may all the glory go to you, for it's the reason we live. And we pray this in the excellent, matchless name of Christ. Amen. God bless. Thank you.